And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea, conversationalists across the fruited plain, captains courageous, princes of the universe, the people on the wrong side of the tracks, and the ladies who lunch. It's Open Line Friday. And nothing timed out right, but that's okay. We'll survive because it's Friday. Happy to have all of you with us. It is, uh, it is one of those, it is one of those days, isn't it? Just, just remember the warning on the wall. Beware of just everything, right? Oh, uh, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Jason Hutt. I am the editor here. At Sci-Fi for Me. Glad to have all of you with us. Mrs. Boss over there standing by. Mr. Hoffman in the green room standing by. And all of you here in the chat. I see Dave Keeley, uh, Cam, MS, Captain Fandom Nerd. Good to see all you. Captain Fandom Nerd, I think I see you over in Culture Casino's chat quite a bit. Give a shout out to the people who listen to this program as a podcast. We're available on a number of podcast players. Of course, you can uh, jump in the live chat if you are here with us live. You can leave a comment if you're here in Memorexville. Social media, we're all over the place. Uh, email address live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. And we do have a Discord server. You can join us over there as well. So, I haven't... Let me let me do this to start with. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. Cause technically, it's not in our wheelhouse. But I do think that I need to say something just briefly about this Eliza Blue thing. Because it's it, it's... While it's technically not in our wheelhouse, it's not science fiction. <laughs> Excuse me. It's not science fiction. It's not fantasy. It's not horror. The fact that it's hitting... <laughs> a number of channels that are in our space. Uh, that Star Wars girl, The Quartering, uh, uh, Legal uh, legal Mindset, uh, Brittany Venny, Chrissy Mayer. I mean, there are so many different people that have been talking about this. And the amount of effort that is being made to censor Twitter accounts and YouTube channels has me thinking she's got something to hide. And when it comes out, things are going to be much uglier than they would have otherwise been if she just said, you know what, I got this thing, I, I, and, you know, and cop to whatever it is that she's trying to hide and move past it. But she's doing so much damage to her own reputation and, and whatever work that she's done on behalf of trafficking victims is going to be just completely out the airlock because of this. Whatever it is that she's doing. And the copyright strike, it, it, is, it is clear abuse of the, the claim system, the complaint system, the way that 
that Twitter and YouTube have their trust and safety and all these other things, copyright claims, privacy strikes, all of this stuff. She has gotten into the system and is abusing the system for whatever reason. I, I don't know what it is. And it's and again, it's not what we talk about here because it's not, it's not science fiction fantasy horror. But this thing is turning into a thing and shouldn't be. And whatever Eliza Blue has to hide... It's eventually going to come out. I mean, Daily Beast has already done an article. The Hill has done some coverage on this. It's going to come out, whether she wants it to or not. So, I just think there's a lot of effort being made to uh, to hide something. And... It's not going to be pretty when that something comes out. That that's 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 all I'm gonna say. I think it's <coughs> I think it's specifically targeted to hide something. It's not about that that rap video. It's not about that. That was just the entry point. That was just the 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 toe in the door and suddenly the panic hits for whatever is behind that door. It's going to come out. That shoe has yet to drop, <coughs> but it is going to drop. And when it drops, it's going to make a very, very, very loud thud. And a lot of people are going to look bad. Complicit. And I don't know if Elon is being snowed. If, if you know, he's just completely unaware of what's going on. If, if they're complicit in all of this. I mean, there are people that are already talking about class action lawsuits here. And I have no doubt that we will get to that level. And we will get to that point where that's going to happen. So, Eliza Blue better better, better be looking over her shoulder because she's clearly running scared about something. <coughs> if she just cop to it, if she just come out and say whatever it is that she's got, just, just admit to it. Just Mia Copa and do. But the amount of effort to hide whatever it is makes her look so much worse. And it's doing, see, and the thing is, it's doing damage to the victim advocacy that she's done. Whatever good work that she's done is going through every, it's, 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 it's gone. It's, it's going to be tossed out the window because her credibility is going to be in tatters by the time this thing is finished. I'm just saying. Sci-Fi Stops has never admit to anything. Deny, deny, deny. <laughs> Good to see you, Snob. I don't admit to anything. Um, except my my overwhelming affection and and love for Mrs. Boss. I will admit to that any day of the week. So, how you doing, Mrs. Boss? You doing all right over there? Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. So. All right. So anyway, all right. So I've pinned in the chat uh, the, uh, the 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 call in link if y'all want to jump in. Um, Grace Randolph made her video about the DC Studios stuff, and she uh, her her biggest takeaway complaint 
was this this presentation would have been more effective with some logos. Okay. You do you, Grace. Well, we've got some logos. These were reposted by James Gunn. I don't think these are official, but this is what's been squirreling around on the Internet for a while. So, okay, logos. Does, doesn't make me any more excited for any of this stuff. Uh, James Gunn did post a, a, a poll to Twitter with regard to the trunks. Trunks or no trunks on Superman's costume, and we've got uh, 60% saying trunks. Now, see, here's my thought about that. Because somebody says, oh, we shouldn't have trunks because he's an alien and it's an alien suit. No. Wrong. Superman's not an alien. Superman grew up in Kansas. The costume, and depending on which origin story you want to do, the costume is either Ma Kent comes up with something, and if, if you look at the John Byrne reboot, she said, you know, I just noticed anything that's tied up against your skin doesn't rip very much. So we do this skin-tight suit here, this, this thing, and you, you get all these muscles and everything. And then you have the other option where she makes the suit out of the fabric and the stuff that he was packed in with the, with the rocket ship. So it's Kryptonian fabric. Either way, Ma Kent made the suit. So in the story, if you want to justify the trunks on the suit, because the original suit is based on the costumes that circus strongmen wore. Because, you know, Siegel and Schuster is a strong man. You can still do that because what you what you do is is Pa Kent, Jonathan Kent, remembers watching the strong man in the circus when he was growing up as a kid. There's the idea, there's your just there's your story justification for the trunks on the outside of the suit. As if you need one. But He says, it's just for fun. We're not going to decide this based on a poll on Twitter, which is fine. Twitter's not the real world. I don't know. Anyway, all right, let's let's uh, let's let's jump in here. Christopher Hoffman, uh, let's start with you. You've got some things to say about a video game. How you doing, sir? Uh, I'm doing okay. Hopefully you're doing well. Well, we're going into a weekend. I think I'm going to do better uh, after tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> So you've okay, got okay. you've got thoughts. So, yes, I do. Um, I am. I've been looking at the new uh, game that just came out about a week ago, maybe a week and a half. Uh, it's a AAA game. There was a lot of hype around it. It was uh, Forspoken, mm-hmm. and it is um, by. Uh, let me. Uh, um, it uh, was released on PlayStation Five and uh, and Xbox. And PC. Um, the thing is, though, um, with PlayStation 5 and, and Xbox, uh, Xbox Series X, actually, um, the latest uh, variation of Xbox, um, the amount of space to play for Spoken is actually less than you would have for uh if you downloaded it for pc and we've got a lot of people that stream and play get you know stream while they're playing games you know that sort of thing right and um yeah to download this triple a game 
um, you're going to have to have a computer that uh, not only has a really excellent uh, graphics card, but you uh, have got to have at least, right now it's looking at at least 150 gigabytes of free space in your computer just to play the game. Ouch. And uh, Yeah, and, and the gameplay looks really, really fun. Um, unfortunately, the character that you're playing as it has been written as a total uh, just just annoying, annoying jerk um, <laughs> who doesn't have a character arc. And, and like even at the right, even at the end, where you've got to make the decision, it's like, okay, am I going to give all this stuff, stuff up and go back home? Yeah. Because the story focuses on a New Yorker who actually has ties to this um, interdimensional land called uh, Athea. And so Freya, the New Yorker, is transported to Athea, and where she is supposed to be the, the savior of Athea. Um, and right at the end of the game, you have the choice. You can go back to New York, or you can go and, and fight the big boss. And if you're playing the game, even throughout the game, while the character is doing heroic things, the character is ungrateful. They are uh, constantly annoyed about having to do stuff. And there's an assistant that she names Cuff that uh, sort of like guides her through the land and, and stuff like that. And she's constantly like, shut up. I don't want to talk to you. Shut up. I want to go home. All of this sort of stuff. And there's no sort of character arc about like, like, oh, wow, wait a second. Maybe this is my home. That sort of thing. See, I saw graphic... a bunch of I saw a bunch of online chatter about this game, and I was wondering what it was about because I wasn't paying attention to it that well. And, and I guess I guess this is what everybody's complaining about. Yeah, the the graphics are beautiful. The gameplay itself is fun. They do have a thing called magic parkour, um, and uh, but the character, the the written dialogue for the character one there's a section in the game that has a lot of backstory exposition mm -hmm. and that the same set of lines for the backstory exposition keep on getting repeated. Now this game is called Forspoken. Yeah, it's called Forspoken and the uh, dialogue for the main character, she uh, is so unlikable and it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's a, if it was a female character or a male character, the way this character was written is just so unlikable that for me, it, it, it turned me off from playing the game because I just did, I got annoyed, not with the gameplay or anything like that, but I just got annoyed with the character. And so yeah. I did watch, uh, another person who played the game through and um, yeah, there was no sort of character arc, even at the very end, you know, when they make you, you have that decision. And if you choose to like save the land, you're not rooting for her. Yeah. You know, you're not rooting for this character to be the hero that saves the land because they obviously just don't give a damn about the land or anything like that. And they say that over and over again. 
in different, you know, snippets of dialogue, of course, you know, differently written sentences. But yeah, the character is unlikable. And it's just really, it seems to be not necessarily a start of a trend, but there have been a couple of like triple A veto games that have been produced where the the main characters are kind of lazily written or just like one <laughs> note as right. far as emotional arcs go and, and stuff like that. Who's the and, who's the game who's the developing company on this? Who's the publisher that, on this? Um, I believe it is uh let's see Square Enix. Oh okay. Let me double okay. check on that. Not Naughty Dog. Um, and that no not not Naughty Dog. Naughty it's, Dog of uh, See, and that's the other thing that I, 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 I thought about with this Eliza Blue thing. I, the last time I saw this much rabid effort to censor people was with Naughty Dog that came out with The Last of Us 2 and was hitting all of these channels that were criticizing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you seen um, have you seen that kind of activity with Forspoken? Has Forspoken got any, any defenders out there saying, you know, doing the name calling if you criticize the game? I haven't seen any of that. No, I, no, I haven't seen it. Um, it's uh, actually it, it was Square Enix and develop and the developer was Luminous Production. Okay. I haven't seen any sort of like blowback um, against the game, for, like for criticizing it or anything like that. It's just um, there has been the the criticism of the game has been one PC players are not able to play it because of the massive amount of, you know, gigabyte size. Yeah. Um, and, you know, oh, you're going to have to have a top of the line system, that sort of thing. And but mostly the complaints have been about the the dialogue and the uh, the way the main character was written. And. Yeah. And and. I don't know if you've, if you've seen any screenshots. I mean, the the graphics look really, really beautiful, yeah. and and the different levels look really, really interesting. Um, but if you're going to, you know, slog through a game and spend so many hours with the main character, and I, I, uh, <laughs> and 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 I, I tried, I tried, folks, but. Um, after a while, I just got, it's like, look, if you don't want to be here and stuff like that, and, and you're not, uh, if you don't want to be here, you don't want to be the hero and you're constantly complaining about it. That, you know, and, that uh, sounds like, that sounds like we need to, we need to put out a review somewhere. So we'll talk, so. we'll talk about that. Maybe we can post a video review okay. over on Twitch and you can write up an article on it. Okay. All sounds right. good. Sounds good. All right. Chris Froffman. Thanks very much, sir. I'm gonna yep. bring in MS, and I'm gonna put uh, put Christopher back in the green room right now. MS, welcome, sir. Oh, how are you? Hello. What do you want to talk about? Good. Uh, well, actually, you maybe can bring Christopher back out because yep. I was gonna maybe piggyback on something he was saying there. Okay. Maybe we can get a discussion in the chat too, because I wanted to discuss the the DC movie slate, but not necessarily the movies they picked. But more something that was said by James Gunn, and, and as Christopher's talking about the game, I think it would relate a little bit, but my but it was something that Gunn said about having a Superman story where he's trying to figure out or he's trying to maybe reconcile what it means to be part 
Earthling and part Kryptonian. I don't yeah, remember fine. the exact quote. Balancing mm-hmm. his Kryptonian heritage with right. his upbringing on Earth, yeah. Okay. And so it, when I heard that quote, to me, what I'm hearing is, is that the only way we know how to make a character interesting is we have to make this character have some kind of issue that he's dealing with. Now, this goes back to the character arc that you're talking about, Christopher, that how do you make a character interesting? How do you how do you show a character growing? And with Superman, specifically with Superman, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I think Superman is obviously based on the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament. It's written by two Jews, of course. Probably mix in there a little bit with some of the Supermensch idea from Sigmund Freud. Well, a little we bit we talked about it. this. We talked about this on Carrie Smith's program uh, Wednesday night. Uh, Superman. A lot of people want to want to interpret it as a Messiah figure, but mm-hmm. Superman is more Moses than he is Christ because of the because of the way the origin story plays out. He's uh, you know he's he's sent down the river. And he's yeah. found by another family who raises him as their own, and he's he belongs to that. Yeah. And then you know he comes into his power as an as an adult. Um, it, he's he's more Moses than he is Christ. And you're right, you know, written by two two Jewish creators, uh, Siegel and Schuster, and there is yeah. that that tone there. Uh, but I think <laughs> I I don't have a problem personally with. This idea of having to strike the balance between Earthling and you know between uh, growing up on Earth and being a Kryptonian, yeah, and it's Kryptonian because here because that's been in the comics where he's had to find that balance, and we even yeah. see in the in the animated pictures uh, there's a scene, and I don't remember if it's in the series or if it's in one of the movies where he's basically I think he's going after Mongol. Oh yeah, it is. It's it's uh, what do you get for the man who has everything? And it was it oh, was yeah. this, it was the Superman birthday anim- a- animated episode, and when he realizes what Mongol has done, he says, "You know what? I pull my punches all the time. I could rip through people like they were paper." And he just just lays into Mongol, but the speech that he's given is v- very much that I know what I'm capable of doing. I could kill everybody on this planet. If I let myself go, I mean, he's, he's very much talking about the restraint that he has to do because of, of how much power he's got as a Kryptonian. So I don't I don't think that it's unusual and I don't think that it's that it's out of place for Clark to be looking for that yeah. balance, especially if he's just coming into Metropolis and he's like, OK, well, what kind of a hero am I going to be? I want to see him save the space plane. Right. That like like in John Burns reboot. I want to see that story because yeah. that makes the most sense with what Gunn has said so well, far. Let me let me put some pushback here on this a little bit. Okay. I am I am a, I am a Bible teacher. <laughs> I've actually done lessons like comparing. Well, how do you comparing Superman to this to Jesus? I, I'm obviously comparing Moses to Jesus. Obviously, those the you know, biblical themes are often repeated. And that's that's a storytelling technique. If you learn the basic themes of Moses, you're gonna and you they're repeated again when you see David. They're repeated again when you see Solomon. They're repeated again when you see Jesus. This is a an oral storytelling technique, and it's also a way to identify and to know 
when I begin to see these certain qualities, mm-hmm. these are the qualities I'm looking for in somebody that's going to be a savior. Right. The reason why I bring that up is because this, and this is me, this is my personal thought, and I, I don't disagree with what you're saying about having a conflict, although I do feel like Man of Steel did some of that with, with their take on Superman. But I think what's different about having a character that knows who he is from the beginning, a character that from the beginning you look to and says, this character, this individual knows his place in the world. This individual is not conflicted by what he should do. He knows what's right and wrong. He knows what to do in situations, which is something most of modern writing, I feel like, has gotten away from. It's always like we have to learn, we have to learn, we have to learn. That's because we have this breakdown in society where there's nobody at home teaching people what they should be learning at a young age. Yeah. When you see a character like a like a Jesus, like any kind of Messiah character, it doesn't have to be a Green Lantern, whatever it is. The point is, is that the growth that you experience through those arcs is reflecting, is where you can reflect and say, I see what this character did here. I understand this character did the right thing. And I'm taking that lesson lesson, and I'm applying it to my life. So I don't need the, my characters necessarily to always say, well, I need to learn to do what's right. I'm looking and, to this character who I know what's right so I can apply it to my life, if that makes sense. Yeah, except that's not what James Gunn said. He's not saying that, that Clark's got to figure out what's right and what's wrong. It's the balance between being the Kryptonian and being, you know, just a regular person. So what I'm seeing, what I'm taking from that is how how do I have a normal life as Clark Kent, because that's who I am. How do I have this normal mm-hmm. life and still be this superhero with powers, what, what I can do with this stuff? And if you go back and look at the John Byrne reboot, the, the costume, the Superman character is the disguise for Clark. But don't you also feel like that Clark Kent growing up with his parents are the ones who actually teach him what it means to be Kryptonian by teaching him how to be a good earth, earth, a human being? Not necessarily like that. Well, see, and that's the thing because everybody, everybody goes into this whole Superman's the alien thing. Superman's not the alien out of the Trinity. You know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is the alien. Superman grew up in Kansas. He's an adopted son of American couple, and he's grown up with family values. He knows the difference between right and wrong. Balancing, you know, figuring out how to use his powers and all of that stuff, that came from whatever Kryptonian artifacts came with the ship. But Mm -hmm. Jonathan and Martha taught him morality taught him right and wrong and and how to differentiate the two and how to how to be a person of good character. Yeah. So there's no question that you know when he gets to Metropolis he's he's already the big blue boy scout. He just doesn't have the costume yet. And what well, I mean also So let me ask this question. Also, but it, again, this is going back to the you know back oh, sorry, I kicked my computer. You don't um, want to do that. Don't kick the computer. More... The weasels will run. <laughs> I'm sitting on the edge of my bed. I got the I got a lot, like a little <laughs> coffee table here, and the computer's kind of hanging off. And I don't. I, last time I had it on my bed, and I, I was making these weird noises. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we <laughs> so, don't want weird so noises. I'm trying to get a more solid area for the sound. 
<laughs> so Weird and I hope other people will join in on the on this conversation just about how to how to develop a good character in general. So I feel like the idea of Superman having to learn his Kryptonian side is something that was added later to the character. And it didn't matter as much as long as he had that those that good solid family foundation mm-hmm. that had built up who he was as a man and his principles as a human being and as a person of what's right and wrong. So that that's where I sometimes feel conflicted when I see Superman, you know, in these movies where it's like, well, he's got to learn these things. And I'm like, why does he need to learn or learn how to balance these things when he was taught from a young age how to, how to balance these things and how to do what's right and wrong? Superman's a really interesting character because um, as far as, uh, you know, the heroic journey is explored, um, especially because um, they've actually touched on um, the nature versus versus nurture aspect mm-hmm. uh, of Superman in in a couple of different uh, you know ir, ir, um, elseworld stories. Like uh, for instance, you know the Red one that Sun. comes to my mind first is is Red Sun. Yeah, you know where you where you have him landing in. Um, in Siberia, I believe, um, and he was raised as you know uh, on, under uh, the communist regime. Um, but then, as the story goes through, um, he doesn't like necessarily issue you know all of the communist you know uh, dogma and rhetoric and stuff like that. But you, he does sort of you know push a back he pushes back against the people that were trying to control him. And he does, you know, you see that he, he naturally does have a, you know, yeah. Moral, good moral center. And then you've got um, on uh, for another example, you've got um, the nail, which was, you know, Hey, what if we had a justice league without a Superman? And it turns out that Superman, um, was in America, but he was just in an isolated community and he had no, you know, no uh, way of like knowing about the Justice League. And, and he's introduced at the end of the nail. Um, and so you've got these sort of nature versus nurture um, iterations Spe- of Superman. I'd say spe- um, Speeding Bullets is another example of that, too. Mm hmm. Definitely. And uh, so it's, he's an interesting character. And, and then, like, um, just taking it back just a second back to Forspoken, um, I know it's a it's a trope now, a bit of a kind of a cliche trope. But I, I, I usually try to measure, you know, some story arcs by the hero's journey, you know, from Joseph Campbell yep. and and in. In Forspoken, the the character, the plot of the story, you would think it would have a bit of a hero's journey, that sort of thing. But the writing of the character itself um, and the dialogue specifically that the character says doesn't allow for that sort of arc. And then bringing it back to, to Superman, um, Superman, his Kryptonian, Kryptonian heritage versus what he was 
what he has known since, you know, since he was an infant and raised with the kind of the American, um, American capitalist sort of way of life uh, and, and, and morals, that sort of thing. It's, the I think they need to strike a, a a a really good balance between not necessarily being alien, okay, like oh hey I'm an alien, but more of like a, an adopted person, you know yeah. that has that has that knows like okay wait a second I came from this place and that sort of thing and then goes back and has an appreciation of the you know kryptonian heritage and that sort of thing but it's like wait a second krypton was destroyed my parents you know sent me here to so that i would survive and 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 i'm thankful for my kryptonian heritage but i'm here now and this is actually my home that that sort of thing well, well, I think I think yeah. you also need to consider too that Peter Safran, when he's when they were doing the press thing on Monday, Peter Safran came out and said, "Truth, justice, the American way." I mean, specifically said that, and and invoked that that mantra, and also said that we're looking at at Superman with the question of, you know, Superman is kindness in a world where kindness is old-fashioned. So it sounds to me like they're going back to the Christopher Reeve, Superman is a friend type of, of approach and not Man of Steel Kryptonian. Because if he's kind, you know, he's, he's, the, he's, the, he's the guy who's going to get the cat out of the tree, right? He, that's, yeah. that's Superman. And you look at uh, Reeves' performance in the first movie back in 78... You know, Lois Lane looks at him after the helicopter thing. She's like, who are you? And he says, a friend. And that's the core of what Superman is, whether he's whether he's a human or a Kryptonian. Clark grew up in the Midwest. So he's got those values and in, in kindness and respect and consideration and optimism and hope are, are what forms his point of view it's in his it's in his yes it's in his dna with nature but it's also nurture from from what jonathan and martha taught him so i i i i'm cautiously optimistic i don't i don't particularly care for the fact that they used all-star superman's cover when they were talking about this because (laughs) that particular story is not anything like what we're talking about (laughs) well I mean, what are they going to do? They're clearly setting up a confrontation between Superman and the Authority. Well, I was going to so, say that too because the Authority represents the opposite of that. Where where they're that where you had that discussion the other day where, where they're the anti-villain villain. They do everything the wrong way while trying to be. We're going to kill people to do what's right. We're going to do this. Mm-hmm. So you're already going to have a natural conflict between Superman and the Authority. That's where I feel like Man of Steel failed. Like in Man of Steel, when he he allows his father to die when he could have easily saved him. Yeah, that, that scene it makes sense. Or when he when he um, snaps um, Zod's neck. Yeah, Zod's neck. So that's how he learned not to kill people. 
No, that's not how Superman learned not to kill people. Superman knew inherently, don't kill people. Yeah. Well, and, and Cam, Cam's got a good point. He says, if I understand MS, I think that people obsessed with gray characters are afraid to portray someone who's good. Hopefully that will change. I think we're going to get a good, yes. kind, uh, good-hearted Superman. And the contrast with the—I think the authority is there specifically as the contrast for when they do have—when they do come into conflict in whatever movie comes afterwards— Superman's going to sit there and say, this is not the way we're supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. You can't just run willy-nilly just because you have powers. And then you're going to have the discussion of responsibility and restraint and, you know, working within uh, a particular set of rules. You can't just run roughshod all over everybody. And the the authority will be the bad guys in that one. So... that, and then that actually brings into a, a, a whole nother thing where if we get a kind, you know, genuinely kind, you know, nice Superman, mm-hmm. okay, who, who's our friend, are our modern audiences with all of the s- storylines that have come where the, the um, uh, I'm using big air quotes, okay? Nice guy, okay, because I I know that's a strange, you know, word, but like the the kind person and stuff like that, there have been so many narratives as of late where the kind person turns out to be the villain or it's Mm. just, you know, the wolf in sheep's clothing, that sort of thing. Yeah. Where is the, is the, you know, modern audience who is, you know, pumped and primed for that sort of turn, you know, it's like, okay, this guy can't, he's good, too good to be true. He's not, you know, all yeah. the stuff, what's his, you know, what's his grift, all that sort of thing. Are they going to, you know, trust this character and, and just like, you know, see that this person is, is good. Yeah. You know? Well, um, and, I mean, and that goes, example, that goes with what Cam's saying. He says it might be even more interested if he does stand out as so unusual. It shows what the world's become. And and Snob's right. The, maybe the modern audience yeah. is ready for a change. I think that's right. And and if you do it yeah. right, because you've got Booster Gold coming in here at the at the end of all of this, if you do it right, you've got two different perspectives where you can do that very thing to say. This is what a hero is. This is what a hero should be. This is what a good person should be. Because what's Booster Gold's story? He craves attention. He craves fame and fortune. And he wants to come back in time to be a superhero so he can be famous and popular. Right? Which, social media? I mean, the, the, the current year is primed perfectly for a character like Booster Gold to come back and learn that it's not all it's cracked up to be. And he's got a couple of really good story arcs where he he steps up and becomes a really good superhero like an actual heroic person. So he's got a he's got a lot of potential with that same kind of thing. And gods and monsters. I mean just look at the whole thing. Who are going to be the monsters? Not necessarily Swamp Thing, even though it's a horror origin, but what if the authority? Excuse the authority me. What if, is the, the authority of the monsters. Yeah, what if, the monster. Whatever it is that the that the Green Lanterns investigate, that's that's a monster. 
You know, I mean, there's all sorts of potential here story-wise to make that compare and contrast with what Marvel's doing and what other DC stuff has done. And, you know, there is a thing. You know, there is well, a I distinct totally difference agree. between totally good and bad. What saying. I totally agree with what you're saying. I just think that when it comes to Superman, see, I, I think... When you think about a superman, the supermensch, mm -hmm. when you think about a a savior, uh, this messianic character, whatever you want to call it, right? People are attracted to that because when why are people attracted to a Jesus or any of these characters? It's because when you see something good and it's real and it's not fake and it's always there, you are naturally attracted to what's good and what's right. And so to have a to have a Superman, in my opinion, that has to figure out what that is, that anytime you do a story like that, in my opinion, you're taking away from that character what he really is. And it's because our world is so cynical and not and unbelieving that there can be anybody good. We want to just always find that story where we're tearing somebody down, ripping them apart. We want to find the negative in something mm -hmm. and and never look for the positive in something. Yeah. And I think that's where, where, where Superman's different. I agree. I agree. And I, and I think if, if the story is handled properly, uh, whatever it is that Gunn writes, and that's the first step, but if, if Superman can be elevated back to that role model position in a positive way, he's, you know, He's the big blue boy scout. He's the he's the good one. I think that's going to do a lot to move this this new DC universe forward with a lot of people that are going to sit there and go that's Superman because you know, you mentioned Man of Steel mm -hmm. and Justice League. Superman never showed up in Man of Steel. <clears throat> there was no Superman. There was this there was this alien who had powers, but he wasn't Superman. And Depending on what you do with Jonathan, you know, you mentioned you mentioned his death in Man of Steel. The times where Jonathan has died in the Superman story, because there are t there are some Superman stories where he stays alive for a while. But the times when he's died in the past, Smallville, Superman 78, the big takeaway for Clark is I'm not all powerful. That's a humbling moment to him mm -hmm. that says even though you've got all these powers, you're not going to be able to save everybody. You have limits. And that's a powerful lesson for him to learn going forward because he can actually sit there and go, you know what? I can't do it all. I can't do everything. And so maybe he's facing the authority. I can't do it all. I need help. We start recruiting the Justice League. <clears throat> you know, and, and, and you start you start yeah. putting these threads out there where Superman recognizes that he's not the end-all, be-all. He can't save the planet all by himself. And he can't run the planet, and nor should he. And it, I can't, it'll be, oh, uh, uh, go ahead, MS. I, I wasn't saying nothing. Oh, I was oh, just, okay. I was looking at, I was looking here, because Cam says Superman can have conflict, but not moral conflict. I agree, because of the way he was raised, because of the way Jonathan raised him. I don't think he would have moral conflict. 
He's not a he's not a morally conflicted character. He knows the difference between right and wrong. So you know, I think the only the only really good Superman we haven't had a good Superman story since Superman two. Back in the Donner days, the animated <laughs> series is pretty good, but we haven't had a good Superman since forever. I I think what's going to be another big hurdle with guns. Uh, version of Superman is the is if we're going to get another you know retread of the origin story or if he's going to introduce Superman as you know the adult adult Superman and then we have Clark Kent and and with that um how are we going to update I say update but yeah update the uh big blue boy scout to sort of like modern times yeah. you know so i don't make, think we're getting an origin translate that he's a that he's a good person and you're able to trust him and he's a friend to all mm-hmm. um but he's not this naive you know uh naive kind of like uh, rose-colored glasses like G. Willikers yeah. sort of thing. Well, that's Not why that he was in the past, but just well, he has been you know, in the past. But that's that's why I'm saying go. You go with John Byrne's origin, because in at one point after he leaves Smallville, he's got this whole period of time where he's traveling the world and he's saving people and 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 heading off disasters and all these things. And and Ma Kent is saving all these headlines and stuff. And nobody ever sees him until he saves the plane and Lois stops him and the crowd comes in. He's like, they all wanted a piece of me. What do I do? And that's where they come up with the Superman character, the persona, the disguise. If they they could do something like that where, yeah, he's coming into Metropolis. You know, he's young. He's coming into Metropolis so he can kind of have his have his finger on the pulse of everything. Because, you know, newspaper and journalism and yada, yada. But... That's that's the inflection point. You know, he doesn't necessarily have to be naive, just come off the bus, you know, wide eyed and doesn't know where anything is. If he's spent time traveling the world and saving people and doing all do all these all these heroic deeds without anybody knowing it's him, then he gets to Metropolis. Let's say he's 28, 30 years old. He's had some experience doing stuff. But he's also got to have the time to justify trying to get a job at a major metropolitan newspaper, right? That's the other part of this. You can't just walk off the bus and go work at the New York Times. So, <laughs> Sci-Fi Snob joins the, joins the conversation as well. Welcome, sir. Yeah, I, uh, thanks. I, uh, I wanted to say, you know, I, I think Jason made some really good points, and I agreed with a lot of what he said. I wanted to bring up the other point of, um, you know, we, you've, you guys have talked about the, you know, uh, him knowing, uh, helping, and, and his character and stuff. I would like to see a little more of um, examining if he should help, right? Because there's always the question about, you know, uh, just like with so Superman, can we can be looked as, up at, looked at as children compared to Superman? Yeah. And you know what happens if you do everything for your child? It becomes that's a good um, point. You know, it 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 becomes dependent. So that whole aspect, uh, and I'm not saying that this is the you know. I think you guys have touched on the main areas that that 
are important to Superman, and that's the idea where it should be. I'm sort of bringing up a sort of a side area that I think is also interesting, maybe not, as I said. Well, I think, to Snob's point, though, in a lot of the more recent Superman stories, you do see him going around the world helping, but usually when the scenario is there's no other way except for me now to go down here and do something in this situation or a lot of people are going to die. Well, and you could also you could also bring that that particular aspect of the story in with something like The Authority or Amanda Waller, for example, where it's, you know, there's this thing, there's this problem we need you to solve. And he looks and he looks and says, that's not my problem. If I go in there and I solve it, they're not going to learn anything. You know, there there could be some opportunity there. And it has to be I mean, you know, it's usually pretty. you know, it's pretty uh, cut and dried. I mean, there's some natural disaster. I mean, if an asteroid's going to hit the Earth, yeah, then you know we stop the asteroid. But then, it, when it becomes uh, political, then it gets a little dicey, and that's the kind of area. Though you could make the point of saying something like, uh, you could, you know, if you know, if we know asteroids are going to hit Earth, and we don't build a defense system, or we know that our 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 uh, our you know, we're the Dutch and we know that we can get flooded, but we don't build any floodgates because, oh, well, Superman will save us. I mean, then yeah. you can sort of go down that path where he's starting to say, hey, you guys, you know, you know, what does he do in those situations? But, uh, you know, that's, I mean, the political aspect is much more obvious and where you would most likely to put that storyline. And I'd like well, to see a little more of that. And I think Jason made a good point. You know, Amanda Waller is a great um you know, uh, character for that because what is this? You know, the Suicide Squad are, are basically government representatives, and yep. they're always doing you know pretty dirty political type things, and that's why they use them because you know heroes wouldn't touch that kind of stuff. And we're going to get murdering the people, cre- and... creature commandos for the same thing. And and who's to say maybe Amanda Waller tries to approach Superman and recruit him for something, and he looks at her and he goes, "I know what you're all about. I don't want to have anything to do with you." See that's a good that's a good little uh, you know a little scene between uh, yeah. you know those two characters for a movie whether it be a Suicide Squad movie or a Superman movie. Yeah, yeah, I to, think so. To speak on some of what Snob's saying too, obviously, guys, you know, as a minister, I, I do compare a lot of things to the Bible, but you know, like if you take, for instance, the story of King Solomon, who had a lot of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Early in the story of Solomon, it's not just, he doesn't just impose his wisdom on people. People come to him, they ask him, there's the famous story where the two women are fighting over the baby. Right. And he says, well, I'll just pull a sword out and you'll each get half. And the one woman says, no, let her have the baby. He, he used wisdom in a way for people to reveal what was right within themselves and then the answer is just kind of known in this sense. It's not just going and saying, you're going to get the baby and you're not going to get the baby because this is what I think is right. Wisdom is revealing, you know, what's what's in a person, the, the motive and, and what is actually right and wrong. So going back to Snob's point is if, if somebody later in his life, obviously Solomon becomes... Um, almost like the wisdom becomes a weight that's too much for him to bear, you know, because he does, it seems like maybe later in his life, become this person, well, I'm just going to indulge. I'm so smart. I know there's the pitfall of the human pride. So I think maybe where Snob is talking, like that's something 
you want to see in the movie. You want to see in the movie where Superman understands wisdom isn't just me telling people what's right and wrong. Wisdom is me being able to bring out of other people what is right and wrong. And then if, if you're just telling people what's right and wrong, then you're going to be overburdened with the idea of always having to know the right answer, what's right and what's wrong, and you're going to crumble under that weight, which is what you see with Waller. Waller always has to be right. There's no other way but Waller's way. Yeah. <laughs> now, but now, do you see Superman as a wisdom character? I don't really see him as that. I mean, he can gain wisdom as he gets older, but I don't really see him as that. That's not his thing for the world. His wor- his his job is to give us hope and inspire us to be better. Is his job to teach us wisdom? Yeah. And, I agree. And Death Angel's Death Angel wanted... Shadow has the same point. You know, he's got he's learned right and wrong from his parents, but wisdom is developed with age and experience. And and I this is where I this is where I think that they've missed the boat with Shazam, <coughs> because yeah. new they're they're clearly doing New Fifty Two Shazam with Zachary Levi's uh, portrayal, where he's Billy in a in an adult costume, basically. And that misses the boat of who Captain Marvel is. You know, S in Shazam stands for Solomon. You know, the wisdom of Solomon. So if yeah. when he when he you know says Shazam and he turns into Captain Marvel, he shouldn't be Billy. He should have the wisdom of Solomon. So he's got maturity yeah. and he's got you know gravitas for for you know I hate that word, but you know he should have some depth to him that informs a completely different personality because he has all of this that he doesn't have as Billy. And we don't get that this, in Shazam. This Shazam is uh, is, a, is another version of 13 going on 30. Yeah. yeah. Big with He's Tom Hanks. Big in a cape. <laughs> big, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I want to address the wisdom <laughs> thing real fast, and I agree with that. I agree with you, Sci-Fi Snob, but I think what maybe what I'm trying to say, too, a little bit is that when you have a character like Superman, where where are you going to find the growth in the character? I think focusing on wisdom is something that a good writer would say, hey, Superman is is this and this, but where where can he grow? And, and growing doesn't always mean that you're wrong in an area, but you're getting a deeper knowledge and a deeper understanding. So I think with Superman, that's where the character should be doing its growing. It should be growing in his understanding, his knowledge, his wisdom, because those are the ideals that we would, would look for in the and quote unquote the supermensch. I no, no I'm not I'm, I I would agree. I mean that's where But let me let me ask this uh... let me ask this question though. How much does Superman need to grow? Because the, it, he's not necessarily and Keely, I see you, you got to go. Thanks very much for being here, sir. Superman doesn't necessarily have to grow as a character in order to tell those kinds of stories because his story is central to inspiring others. He doesn't necessarily have the hero's journey so much. I mean, it, it's not it's not exactly like you know King Arthur or Luke Skywalker. I mean, you have the mentor figure who sometimes dies. You know, you know the Merlin figure is Jonathan Kent, 
and he dies and he comes into his own. And Superman does have that kind of journey in certain stories. But once he gets there and he's the superhero, I don't know that he necessarily needs to, to grow in terms of wisdom and understanding. You don't necessarily have to have that kind of an arc for him. It could be finding the limits of what I can do all by myself and building a, building a, a group around me of, you know, and inspiring people to do better and do more and be the be the Boy Scout, but also be the inspiration for everybody else. That it, there's an opportunity here, like like we're talking about in the chat, where Superman stands out because he's old fashioned. He's kindness. He's 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 hope and optimism in this world that sits there and goes, "You got to be kidding me." There's the conflict, and there's there's his growth is maybe figuring out how do I how do I turn these people around so they have faith in themselves. That's that's going to be the biggest challenge I feel um, with this new version of Superman, or um, because you 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 said it yourself, uh, uh, Jason, that uh, he's old fashioned. And that th there are some traits that shouldn't be classified as old fashioned, you know, like kindness mm -hmm. and just and 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 generosity of spirit, that sort of thing that we've got to figure out some way or the film has to figure out some way to, to make these things, quote unquote, hip again. <laughs> you know, and, and that's being and, nice. That's it. Well, it is. It, <laughs> and know, that's and that's exactly it. what it is. I mean, you know, because even even back in Superman seventy eight, when he sits there and says, "I'm here to fight for truth, justice, the American way," and Lois says, "You got a, you got your hands full," you know, there there yeah, is I mean, that cynicism that he's going to run into. He's, he's you know, everyone's cynical, and he's old fashioned in the seventies. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is fifty years later. I yeah. mean, it's way way worse. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, I mean, old I think... fashioned though, you're saying he's naive. No, no, no. He's no, nice old fashioned. Old fashioned no. is not naive. I'm old fashioned. Right. You know, I believe in traditional well, marriage. I believe in, in... <laughs> you know. Yeah. But he's see... naive in the naive in the sense that he does, you know, he he's trying to be nice to everybody and you shouldn't be nice. You should just be looking out for yourself and you shouldn't care about anybody yeah. because that's what the modern yeah. world is. I mean, if you I want think, to see naive that well, way, I think people yes, would perceive him as naive. I... I think people would perceive him as naive because he's optimistic and he has faith in people. Because um, yeah. I'm struck yeah. because I'm reminded of a conversation that, that Minnie and I had a while back where she, she was basically complimenting me and, and saying that I'm a good person. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm generally a good person. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a nice person all the time. You know, I'm, I'm, <coughs> I'm willing to help people. I'm willing to do stuff for others. I'm considerate. And I, you know, all the, all these things that you would consider good, but I'm not always nice. And there's, there's a difference there. Superman is good, is inherently good, and I would say he's probably lawful good if you're going to put him on a on a personality chart. Lawful good, as opposed to Batman, who's chaotic good, right? And he's also yeah. he's also kind, and he's you know, and, and kindness is the thing they've specifically said. Kindness, where kindness is old fashioned, not necessarily that he's old fashioned. 
but his attitude they're going to they're going to it sounds like they're going to come in and say he's an outlier and he's kind when the world isn't and there's so much potential there story-wise to sit there and go okay you have this kind person this nice person and they're up against a world that's been influenced and impacted by social media and the narcissism and the tearing everybody down and the cancel culture and all this all this garbage that's online they could do so much with that but they could also go completely off the rails with it if they do it wrong a, a, a naive person would be someone who could be easily taken advantage of. Yeah. I don't see him as that, you know, not coming up into him, you know, some stranger coming up to him and saying, hey, lend me some money. I'll pay you Tuesday. You want to buy a watch? Today. Yeah. Want to buy a watch? Like, he's not going to fall for that stuff, right? He's yeah. might, right. he might, he sees everybody as good, maybe, and he, he, he wants to see the best in people, but he's not, you know, stupid. Right. I, I think it'd be really, I, I think if they approach this new Superman, or this new iteration of Superman as a George Bailey character in a world that is overrun by potters, you know, because that's what it seems like to me that Superman should be like a George Bailey character. And we know that George Bailey, I mean, I, you know, okay. It's, it's a holiday staple, that sort of thing. But if you watch the film, and you see that he's not a naive character and he does have, you know, times where he's angry no. and he's upset about things and that, but he does stand up for what he believes in and what he believes is right. I'm not saying, uh, that, uh, I, I think we've moved past the time where, a lot of people would come together, you know, to save the bank and loan. Um, I mean, sure, we have GoFundMe's and stuff like that, and there are, you know, moments of, of human generosity. But on the most part, for the most part, it seems like the people in charge now on both sides are more of the, you know, Potter-esque type of people. And if we introduce someone who is sort of modeled on kind of like the George Bailey. I like is, that comparison. Human, yeah. And that I think that would be the way to go. Um, and, and even if I you're think, applying the Jesus metaphor, I mean, even Jesus flipped over the tables. You know, they, he's 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 not all sun, sunshine and rainbows either. I mean, he grabbed the whip and he started. He started, you know, letting them have it. He made the whip. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's, <laughs> there's, there's nothing that says that Superman can't get, can't blow off steam and, and be angry about some things too. So, you know. So, so the real question is, is can they do this and will they do this? That's I mean, the because question. this is, this is the best, I mean, yeah. we all kind of agree that this is the way that, you know the best portrayal of Superman, and that's the how it should be. I, I can find they it, and will they? I find it interesting that James Gunn is making a deal out of the trunks, though. I I think we're getting the trunks, but see, I the think thing he's about, just I think he's just but, trolling us. But that's but see, that's the thing though is if you go with the old fashioned right, because everybody you know New Fifty Two. What did New Fifty Two do? New Fifty Two took the trunks away. Well, that's just an old fashioned design, right? And everything. Everything associated with old-fashioned. The trunks are associated with old-fashioned as well. But 
is James Gunn smart enough to put like he doesn't strike I mean looking at his past work I maybe I'm wrong but he doesn't strike me as the right person to do this like the kind of movie that we're talking about now yeah, you know that's... someone can correct me if I'm wrong I'm not an expert on James Gunn but it doesn't seem to be his bailiwick you know like it does strike me as an odd mix uh, an odd matchup well, um, he's the guardian of the galaxy guy. I, I'd see yeah. him as making, a, a the jokey Sh- uh, Shazam movie. Like that's the kind of guy. Yeah. That well, that's why when I heard about the monster commandos and it, the blue beetle, I thought, well, those are right up James Gunn's alley, even maybe a swamp thing. Well, now but blue beetle, really... blue beetle is already in the pipeline. I mean, that's, that's not one of, that's not in this not new DC, DC okay. studios thing. But you're right. James Gunn would be perfect for uh, Blue Beetle Booster Gold team up, yeah, or Justice League International. Yeah, right. But he's because, adamant about himself writing the Superman movie. Correct. It may not have been his idea. It could very well and, be that they sat there and said, "All right, what have you got?" And he came up with the pitch, and they said, yeah, "Maybe, maybe his idea for Superman is what got him the job at DC Studios." I mean, and there there are talented directors who who you know they get stuck into a um, you know a, a certain type of movie and they get hired for that type of movie all the time. But yeah. they do have the range to do other things. So that's why my you know my point is is more of a question that maybe you know am I you know am I you know Michael Baying James Gunn saying that he can only <laughs> do a certain type of uh, movie yeah. or did am James I, am Gunn I right? did James Gunn make that movie? Uh, uh, the one about the the kid. Bright Basically, burn. it's a Superman yeah. clone, but it's a Bright, horror. Brightburn. Yeah, he 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 Brightburn. was he, he was made part that of that movie, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and we actually talked okay. about that on H two O the yeah. other night, where you, in order to do that kind of deconstruction, <clears throat> for lack of a better word, if in order to do that kind of story and make it a horror film, you have to understand what makes that character that character and flip it. So. Gunn might surprise us. He might sit there and go and make one of the best Superman movies we've ever had. I mean, that's not going to be much of a stretch at this point, but he could he could knock it out of the park. I don't know. Superman seventy eight is still pretty good, so he's got a I yeah. Mean, he's got. I see. He's got. I see. They've got. I mean, not the Man of Steel ones. That you don't have. You know, that's a low no, bar. That's low bar. If you want to be a better movie than uh, Superman one and two, then you need to. That's a pretty high bar to. Uh, yeah, pretty good. And and not only oh, not only from the standpoint of the script, but also the casting. You've got to have yeah. the right Superman and the right Lois Lane and the right Lex mm-hmm. Luthor to make this thing work. Well, so. then maybe the uh, reason that I mean, there's been some talk about how Gunn seems to you know want everybody back except Cavill. So maybe he, you know, maybe he's putting more, the reason for that could be that he's putting more emphasis on the Superman movie and he really wants a break from the old uh, Superman in order that he can, you know, do a good job with it. But, I mean, well, what what we... I mean, I think Cavill could do a good job as a proper Superman. I think Cavill could do a good job, but given given what what we so far know about the story, uh, Cavill's too old. And you also look at the possibility if we're if we're talking, you know, this is just part one. This is this is actually part one of chapter one. We don't have all of gods and monsters laid out yet. But what we've got so far is taking us out to 2027. 
if he's looking at a 10-year plan, Cavill's, what, 38, 39, 40? He's he's already too old to to do, wow. go the distance between you know between now and whenever whenever DC Studios runs out of steam, so so it's from a from a business standpoint it's smart to do to go with somebody younger. Now Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman's a Wonder Woman's an Amazon. She's she's immortal essentially, so she could play the character for however long and and everything's fine there. Uh, and I don't think Jason Momoa is going to be playing Aquaman anymore. Well, I have, well, let me ask you a question about that real fast then. Because I know we're getting short on time. We didn't even talk about Brave and the Bold. What actually is his phase one? And if Cavill's that old, I must be a dinosaur. <laughs> but <laughs> but what? You're not, do, you're not doing action movies. Yeah, and that's a big <laughs> like, part of it. I'm in my mid-40s, yeah, but it takes, I still you know, play basketball with high school kids yeah but you're not playing you're not bit. playing basketball for 10 hours 12 hours a day no. hanging a from wires yeah. and uh, <laughs> punching people yeah but my question was after hearing gun's announcement what what made momoa so giddy after his meeting with gun because i didn't hear anything in that slate that would have made me go out and make this giddy video that momoa did and that would have made me so happy i think he's playing lobo I think they gave him Lobo. <clears throat> In what movie? The Authority? No. Because remember, we don't have the full slot we don't have the full slate of chapter 1 Gods and Monsters. This is just the first half, I think. So we've got we've got more after Swamp Thing. This is just this is all that they've announced, but it's not all that they've got planned for this first phase, right? So I would mm-hmm. say that at some point once we get past Aquaman 2, which comes out in December. At some point past that, we'll get an announcement that Jason Momoa is going to be playing Lobo at some point. But they got to get past Aquaman first. But he's been playing Lobo this whole time anyway. You know, he's he's not he's not been playing Aquaman. He's he's brought I mean, he that has, energy anyway. But if you read Aquaman in the '90s, you know where he lost his hand and he had a hook and he had the long blonde hair yeah. and the muscles. I mean. But I think they'll get past, they got to get past Aquaman 2 first because it's technically not part of this. It is, but it isn't. But it's the last Snyder anything and it's gone. They're, they're saying Flash is going to be a reset the button, you know, reset the universe thing. Blue Beetle stands off by itself so it can, it can slot in and fit in wherever. Aquaman 2 is the only one out there that's still kind of Snyder, and then that's gone. And and Peter Safran has said, because somebody asked him about it with regard to Jason Momoa. Is he going to play Aquaman? Is he going to play Lobo? Is he going to play both? And Safran says there is no actor that's going to play more than one role in this universe. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think he's going to play Lobo. Because that would be a much more, that, that would be a much better well, fit sense. anywhere. It makes sense. Yeah. No, for sure. So I think that's what's going to happen. But I, but I don't think we're going to get that announcement until after Aquaman two is is out in theaters and maybe even at home video. But at that point, and it may so not be till phase it, two. So you heard it here, folks. Uh, Jason says that the Superman movie is going to be good. James Gunn's <laughs> going to do a good job. I mean, we're going to hold you to I'm that. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not optimistic about it, but I'm hopeful. Yeah, I'm. I'm still. You know. 
expect the worst, hope for the best. You know, reality drops somewhere in the middle. So I'll, that's that's I'll go where on the I'm first at. day, and if if I don't like it, I'm going to ask my money back from you. All right, that's fine. <laughs> I don't know. But, it's uh, it's going to be. It we'll we'll see. I I don't know. I mean. And I know what about says the rock was 50 playing black Adam. And I don't, you know, there's the other, there's the other fly in the ointment. What's going to happen with, with black Adam, because he's not anywhere around any of this yet. That discussion was had and, and Dwayne Johnson is not getting what he wanted as, as a piece of control of this. So, you know, that's, that's still hanging out there at some point what they're going to do with that character. Not necessarily what they're going to do with Dwayne Johnson, but what they're going to do with Black Adam. And then you get, you know, the question of, you know, somebody even asked, you're, you're talking about the Batman and Robin thing with, with uh, Brave and the Bold and, and this being Damian, Damian Wayne. What if it's Dick Grayson as Batman? Because that was the first Batman and Robin with Damian Wayne I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the very first that Grant Morrison did, but soon after that, the, you had a whole run of Batman and Robin where Dick Grayson was Batman. Now, the the yeah. description that we've gotten has has strongly suggested that this is going to be Bruce Wayne because he's dad, but you know that's a that's a different dynamic. And the fact that they've mentioned the Bat family means with Batman and Damian, with Bruce and Damian, we're also going to get. Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, Tim Drake, Stephanie Brown, uh-huh. Barbara Gordon, Cassandra Kane, Kate Kane. All all of them are going to be in there somewhere at some point. Maybe we'll not get a Killing game. Joke movie. No, <clears throat> we might get Barbara yeah, I... as Oracle, but we might not. We might get Barbara as Batgirl. We may have three Batgirls out there. Who knows? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm really. I'm really hopeful. With the announcement uh, of Damian Wayne as uh, Robin in the new Batman film, uh, that they are jumping, another cliche term, but jumping the shark, as it were, and doing and and not doing another Batman origin movie. Yeah. Um, mm. Batman's been established. Now we're introducing Damian Wayne. Because we've got to introduce Damian Wayne to like the general audience, you know, who's pretty familiar with, uh, you know, Dick Grayson and, and stuff like that, and maybe a little bit with with Jason Todd, but um, Damian Wayne, that's that's got to be his. Like, wait a second, Bruce Wayne actually had a son. Yeah. How did this come about? That sort of thing. Which also um, means you've got Talia, you've got Rachel Ghoul, you have the Lazarus Pit, the League of Shadows. All, all of that comes into play there as well. Plus, also consider that it, that they just they canceled Titans and Doom Patrol over at HBO Max, which James Gunn said preceded his his employment there. That was a decision that was made before he got put in charge of the studios. But it also frees up the Titans and the Doom Patrol to come in and be part of this new DC universe. And if you've already got Batman and Damian Wayne as Robin, then Dick Grayson is Nightwing. And somewhere out there, Nightwing is in charge of the Titans. 
So there's mm. that possibility as well. Maybe for maybe I would love for to chapter see a Titans two. movie. <laughs> I you know if if you could if you could give me a decent Teen Titans movie that's based on Teen Titans number one by Marv Wolfman and George Perez, I would be happy. They're not going to do it, but I would be happy. Because there's no way that they're going to give us that Starfire. <laughs> there's yeah. just not. Which is yeah, which is too bad. That, uh, I was going to say nobody nobody wants to you know you can't find anyone on the planet with a uh, who doesn't know Batman Superman or uh, Spider Man's origin. Yeah, we don't need to see their origins anymore. Yeah. Uh, just you know, move on from that. I agree, and and I don't think we're going to get a Superman origin story either, because you know he's he's in Metropolis at this point. He's already come into his powers. He's already figured out how to do all that. Now he's just figuring out. You know, he's he's finding a base of operations. So we'll see. And uh, I I would be really really thankful for not having to see another uh, a scene of a woman getting a pearl necklace ripped off of her. <laughs> Uh, neck and, and the pearls falling in crime alley. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, at some point, maybe during Brave and the Bowl, we might get a flashback. You know, a very quick, you know, thing. But I don't think I don't I, I don't think you you will. I mean, if they're basing it on the on the comic book run from Grant Morrison, uh, who knows? I mean, that wouldn't be my first choice, and I definitely wouldn't do anything from Tom King. But mm. depend. I mean, it's an intriguing idea what they're doing with Supergirl, but I don't know that I don't know that Tom King's the the right one. By the way, you know he was in the CIA, and he will remind Tom King was, is a good writer. He just has one story, and he's already told it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's the same story over and over and over with him. If you didn't know he was in the CIA, just ask him; he'll tell you. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, the fact that he's in this writer's group, the fact that Christina Hobson is in the writer's group, though those that gives me pause uh, because, okay, you know, Crystal Henry or whatever her name is from who, who did Watchmen, that's cause for concern for me. Um, but it's early yet. And, you know, if, if Gunn and Saffron are sitting there saying nothing's moving forward until the script is ready, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that for me that, that's a, a cause for hope because it looks like the uh, storytelling is, is going to take much more of the forefront as opposed to the, you know, the... I mean, sure, they're going to have like, you know, bang, zoom action scenes and stuff like that. And let's destroy an office building and we'll assume that everybody got evacuated. Yeah. You know, that that sort of stuff. But um, there's got to be a solid story behind it. And if you look through Gunn's, you know, filmography, he has a tendency to give even sort of the I'm going to say minor characters, not necessarily bit players, but minor characters some sort of, you know, heart and, and that, and, and, you know, a little thing to root for, like, you know, Retcatcher in, in, in Suicide Squad and yeah. stuff like that. And, and he, he's shown a, um, pro, proliclicity for, um, uh, writing, you know, characters with heart 
um, even if they are, you know, villain characters, that sort of thing. They're, he's, he's, for me, he's good at making sort of three-dimensional characters. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what the focus of coming forward on storytelling will be for the new DCU. Yeah. All right. Well, we will leave things uh, there for today. Let Christopher have the last word. Uh, don't forget, we did talk about this uh, subject over on the H2O podcast on Tuesday. So you can find that on our channel as well. And I uh, want to thank MS and Sci-Fi Snob for calling in and joining the conversation. Thanks very much for your thoughts no as well. And Christopher, thanks very much for being here. And thanks to all of you for uh, participating. And I, we had a, we had quite a bit of uh, activity in the chat. Uh, thanks very much for being here, folks. You can always leave your comment. Leave us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. Don't forget tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central. Good morning, Multiverse. We will have a wrap up of all the week's headlines, most of the week's headlines. Uh, as we go here. So join us for that. And don't forget to join us over on the Discord, as well as various different social media platforms and, and such. So uh, you can find us pretty much a lot of different places. So that's going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks very much for being here. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of SciFiForMe.com. Copyright 2023 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 